Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So far this Advent, uh, we have been focusing a lot on some pretty hard texts. And the texts themselves, I mean, there's no way to to sugarcoat them, right? I mean, um, talking about Christ coming into Jerusalem to die, Last week, talking about what it's going to be like, getting closer and closer as we get to that last day, that calamity will fall upon us, that things are going to get harder, which is crazy because they seem like they're almost impossible right now. But they are a call to us to be faithful, to trust in what God has promised and what he has given to us and gives us, especially now. And we see this lived out in some way in John the Baptist, that if you want a good example about what it's like to live a faithful life, I mean, look at John the Baptist. No, you do not have to go out into the desert with camel's hair and just having a diet of wild of wild honey and, 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 excuse me, and locusts. I mean, that might be on some people's diet plan nowadays, but it's not necessary, okay? What is necessary is faith, to be faithful to what God has promised. And sometimes that faith means that you face a lot of hardships. Sometimes that means you might even get thrown into prison. John was faithful, and he was a good preacher. And um, <laughs> I heard recently, I, I, I'm not sure if I quite agree with it, but I heard recently from a seasoned pastor of you know, 20 or 30 years, he said, I haven't given my best sermon yet because the people haven't stoned me yet, you know said Stephen gave his best sermon really early on. So, you know, but John did the same thing, right? He conflicted those who were comfortable in their sin, right? He called them out. And what that got him was prison. He called out Herod, who was married to his brother's ex-wife, right? He was trying to call him to repentance, And Herod didn't take kindly to that. So he threw him into prison. So while John is in prison, what's going through his mind? Think about it. What's going through his mind at this time? He's probably thinking, Lord, I've been faithful. I've been true to what you have promised, and this is what happens, right? Traditionally, this text from Matthew is seen in a way where John is sending his disciples, not because he's doubting, but because he wants his disciples to see Jesus for who he is, that he wants his disciples to know that they should follow him. But I don't think that it's a horrible thing to say that John actually had some doubts. It makes him human. It makes him real, right? 
It's not a disgrace to John the Baptist to say that while he was in prison, he must have thought long and hard about what was true. When push comes to shove, that's what we all do, right? We're sinners, and to doubt is to sin. But John is a great example for us still, because what does he do? Does he just sit and just languish and despair and recant all the things that he said before, hoping that it will get him out? No. When he's doubting, he searches out the place where doubt can be destroyed, and that is Christ. He sends his people to say, are you the coming one, or shall we look for another? This could have meant a lot of different things, because if you remember how John preached, I mean, if you want to see a good example of a fire and brimstone preacher, look no further than John the Baptist. Repent for the, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he said. And whenever the Pharisees came up, he said, you brood of vipers, who told you to flee from the wrath that is to come, right? It's not necessarily something we want to say to new people who come into church, but think about it. He's calling people to repent, to believe, to prepare for Christ. And he thinks to himself, well, is this not what it's supposed to be? Because I was preaching the whole time that, that the Christ will come and he will gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Why isn't it happening yet? Come quickly, Lord. Where are you? Right? Seems like that's a lot of people's mindsets nowadays. There's a lot of hard things going on throughout this world. Seems like the powers of darkness are gathering and getting stronger and stronger. And part of that seems to be because our churches seem to, getting, seem to be getting smaller and smaller, right? So we ask ourselves, is he the one to come or should we look for someone else, right? It's a temptation. We're tempted to look somewhere else. We're tempted to think to ourselves, well, what, about, what happened to the good old days, right? Back in my day, you never saw the craziness that you see on TV, right? I mean, I, I, I say that not as someone who has a good old day, right? I say that as someone who grew up in the 90s with like the Rodney King riots, 9-11 and all these things, right? I don't necessarily have a good old day to look back upon. But I hear that a lot, right? That I wish that we could just go back to the good old days. But it's also sad to look and see that the good old days really aren't all that great, at least in comparison to what God promises. And that's what we should focus on, just like John. That he goes to Christ when he's confronted with doubt and he's tempted with despair, he goes to Christ. And does Jesus just turn a blind eye to him? Does he just say, uh, well, he ought to know better, right? <clears throat> does he say, well, uh, go tell John, just settle down. 
No. He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind, the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. It's interesting because Jesus is quoting bits of Isaiah. Bits of Isaiah and bits of the prophets that talk about what the Messiah will do. The Messiah comes and he gives sight to the blind. He heals. He does these wondrous works. But it's really interesting, if you know your Bible, that one of the other things that the Christ will do is he will free the captives. But for John, this is not for him. John has to stay in prison. John will eventually go on to be killed. He will be beheaded. And like I said last week, we face a lot of temptation. We face a lot of persecution. And it may not be that you will have to face these things. But on some level, we are persecuted. And on some level, we are tempted to give in, to go along just to get along. But Jesus says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Right? And by that, he means blessed is the one who is not scandalized by me. Blessed is the one who hears what Christ has done, that Christ has come, that he has died for your sins, that he forgives you, that he grants you life everlasting. Blessed is the one who doesn't just take that and then go do whatever they want to do. Blessed is the one who takes that and then hears the threats from this world and says, it doesn't matter. I've got this. I've got Christ. And Christ has me. This is where we get our comfort from. That in Isaiah, from our text from Isaiah, we see, Comfort, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare um, is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double. For all her sins. That you, who are God's children, you who trust in Christ, you who trust that Christ has died for you, that he lives for you on high, you truly have that comfort. And with this comfort comes great things. That Within this world, we will be judged by the world. The world will look at us and call us crazy, or call us small-minded. They'll call us all kinds of horrible things. But in the end, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, Do not pronounce judgment before the time 
before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his, condemn, his commendation, not his condemnation, but his commendation from God. That in the end, though we may face slings and arrows, though we may face the insults, though we may face the temptation to give in, standing firm, standing firm in faith, we will be, we will be vindicated at the last day. And it's interesting. It's one thing that I love to capitalize here with John the Baptist, that we look at him and we see what it means to live a faithful life and what the consequences could be. And we look at John the Baptist and we say, what a great example. I could never live up to him. I could never be as good as him, right? Even though he wasn't perfect, he's a hard act to follow. As a preacher, I, I think that myself, right? I, I don't think I could ever preach as well as John the Baptist did. But Jesus says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's you. That's me. Miracle of miracles, grace upon grace, we are greater than John the Baptist in God's eyes. Not because we preach well, not because we're so great because of ourselves, but because we are the least. Because we are the ones who are here and have to live through the last days. But we are greater than he because John the Baptist, unfortunately, well, according to God's will and God's plan, died before he could see the fulfillment of what the Christ would do, right? That now we are greater than he in that we can look back and see all the greatness of Christ, all the greatness that Jesus has done for us, all the good things that he has done, he is still, that he is still doing and that he will do on the last day. That here... That here he works. He is here present through his word. He is here present in his flesh and blood to feed you, to take care of you, to strengthen your faith so that you can face those insults and those trials so that you would be blessed because you are not offended by him so that you would stand firm and rejoice because God has granted you salvation. So again, <clears throat> stand firm. Hold fast to Christ. For you are greater than even the greatest prophet that ever came. 
Not because you're so great, but because Christ is great for you. And remember, regardless of, the, of what this world says and whatever judgment that it pronounces on us, God is the one who will judge us and by faith he will judge us righteous for his sake. That in the end, it's better to be under God's reign no matter where you are in this world's status. To trust in God's greatness is better than being the prophet of prophets like John. That in the end, when you are tempted, do as John did. Go to Christ. Seek him. Seek his word. And you will not be let down. You will not fail. You will succeed. That, that the Proverbs say, <laughs> um, well, I was going to go there, but um, that the Proverbs say that, um, that the Lord has made all for himself, that he gives all these trials and temptations to you so that you would be strengthened so that you would say thanks be to God and find comfort through him and not through this world. <laughs> and blessed are you who is not offended by Christ. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.